Hello, and welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I am your host. I'm also a speaker, an author, and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood. Thank you for coming back to the show. And if this is your first time, welcome. The Claim the Stage podcast is a show for women who are interested in becoming kick-ass, amazing, self-aware, excited, and fun speakers. I think fun should be in there for sure. So if that describes you, you're in the right place. Today's episode is a special Q&A episode. I've only done a couple of these, but lately I've been talking with a lot of speakers who've been asking me some really good questions, and I thought I should put these on the podcast. So these questions come from the women of the Speaking School for Women. I just finished the spring round of that course today. And it comes back in September. So if you are interested in becoming a paid speaker, you might want to check that out at my website at angelalucier.us. It is a six-week online course. It is very fun. And uh, looking forward to sharing some of their stories with you later in the summer. And these questions also come from the women of the Speaker Sisterhood, which is a network of public speaking clubs I run for women. So... I thought I would put a couple of them together. They're pretty diverse. What we're going to cover today is what do you do when you get negative feedback? What do you wear, especially if it's your first time giving a big presentation? If you're not really good at speaking and you don't feel comfortable doing it, um, how do you get yourself to raise your hand? That's the question's really like, if I'm in a staff meeting and I have an idea, but I'm terrified of speaking up, what do I do? So I'm going to give you some advice on that. And the the fourth question is, what if you're in a position at work where you're not given the opportunity to speak up and you can't get leadership skills, but you'd like to one day be a leader? How do you build those skills so you can, you know, start to build confidence in yourself and also acquire that skill set? So we'll talk about all four of those things. If you have any interest in these topics, you're going to love today's episode. I'm going to share a bunch of stories with you, some of my own stories, some advice and more. So I hope you will join us. All right, let's jump into question number one. What do you do when someone gives you negative feedback on your speech? Let's say they come, at, they come up to you after you're done speaking and they say you were terrible. What do you do with that and how do you bounce back? <laughs> Excellent question. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm going, I'm going to go in a bunch of different directions with this answer because it made me think of feedback of all different types. So I want to talk about feedback you get from your audience feedback you seek out and where you should be looking for feedback and your own feedback. So it's kind of a feedback tangent. So for this question, the woman who asked me this had this look in her eye, like maybe someone has done this to her in the past. (laughs) And she looked like she was actually, she looked a little scared to ask the question because it looked like this person who gave her feedback really affected her. And my first response is that's one person's feedback. If you're speaking in front of 10, 20, 30, 40 people, remember that you've got a lot of different perspectives in front of you. And that one person who gives you negative feedback may be having a bad day. Maybe you remind them of someone they don't like. 
maybe the message you were sharing isn't something that's that important to them. Maybe they came in with an expectation that was different from what you were planning to speak about. Just know that there's a possibility that what they said to you is not true. (laughs) Uh, On the opposite side, what they said to you could also really help you to become a better speaker. So while you may feel like what they said was hurtful or the way they said it was damaging or just it wasn't it was critical without being constructive. I want you to try to distill it down to the core message. What were they really trying to say to you? And was that something that you can take and use to become a better speaker? Because sometimes people aren't good at confrontation. They aren't good at expressing themselves and articulating what they really mean. And it can come across as being way more harsh and damaging than it needs to be. So if you've received negative feedback or someone who was angry or felt like they didn't get what they paid for, take that as constructive. What can you do with that to make you better? And, you know, like I said, sometimes what they're saying may not hold any weight because it's because it's all about them and about their bad day or about whatever's going on in their life. So you kind of have to decide for yourself, is this valuable? And I remember a couple of months ago, I was giving a presentation. It was actually a three-hour workshop on personal branding, and I had about 20 people in the workshop, and there was a woman sitting in the back, and the whole time, she was sitting with her arms folded in front of her with no expression on her face, just staring at me. And I remember years ago when I first started speaking, when I would have people like this in my workshops and, and presentations, I would notice them right away because my first thought would be, oh my God, they don't like me. Oh my God, what am I doing wrong? Why don't they like me? Why don't they like me? And I, and I would start getting really nervous. Like this person, my new, my new goal in life is to make this person like me. And What I found out was oftentimes these people who would sit in the workshop looking like they were miserable, like having the worst time of their life, would come up to me at the end of the workshop and say, hey, that was really awesome. You did a great job. I was really into that. You like really, really killed it. And I I can't even tell you how many times I've just been totally shocked by that kind of response. Because if you look at that person's face, you would think... they are waiting in line to like meet their maker. Like (laughs) they're having the worst day of their life, but some people just aren't good at emoting what they're feeling. And so when I sat, when I, when I gave this workshop a couple of months ago and this woman sat in the back, just staring at me, I remembered, okay, I'm not going to take that personally because that's not about me. She may just look like that when she's learning. I don't know. So I just like, I kind of just, paid attention to the other participants and got through the workshop. And at the end, she came up to me and I was like, okay, this is the moment. Did she hate this or did she love this? And she said, hey, can I, can I ask you a question? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she goes, actually, it's five questions. I want to hire you. I want you to help me start a podcast. Can you help me write a book? I'd love to have you come in and do a workshop for my group. And I want to start a speaker sisterhood club. 
And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I left there thinking, I'm so glad I did not let that woman ruin my three hour workshop because years ago I would have, I would have been so consumed by the fact that she didn't like me that I would have let it totally throw me off. So it's really important when you're speaking to create a filter for yourself and protect yourself from people who you perceive as not liking you or tuning out or, you know, people aren't having a good time because you never know what that person's like and how they process information and the way they just look in their normal everyday life. Like not everyone has to be smiling and nodding along every second of your presentation as much as we would love that as a speaker, right? So I guess my advice for this this person is, you know, create a filter for yourself when you're getting feedback, really pay attention to what they're saying and take what is useful and get rid of the rest and, and don't let it hold you back because every presentation is an opportunity to get information and build a better presentation. And when you have people in your audience who you think aren't into what you're talking about, separate yourself from the meaning of someone's body language and just continue giving the speech because you never know how that information is falling on them and what it means to them. And you'll be shocked to find out that many of those people who look like they don't care are having the time of their life. Don't ask me how that works. I have no idea. (laughs) The other thing I want to say about feedback is the importance of listening to your own feedback There's a woman in one of the Speaker Sisterhood clubs who got up a couple of weeks ago and gave amazing feedback about her public speaking journey. And I felt that it was so insightful and it just, it, it, I think everyone in the room was nodding along with her when she said it, because I think it's true for a lot of us. What she said was, I noticed when I get up to give a speech I kind of feel like I'm a floating head. Like, I don't even feel like I'm in my body. I don't even know where my body is. And she said, I thought a lot about this. And I realized in my life, I spend a lot of time working one-on-one with clients. And when I'm sitting down one-on-one with someone, I can absorb their energy. I can mirror their body language. I, I kind of become them. And because I have this chameleon kind of personality, when I stand in front of a group, I'm not able to mirror one person because I'm in front of many people. And that makes me realize that I have no idea who I am. And when when she said that, we all just sort of looked at her and thought, yeah, that's a big part of why public speaking is so difficult because you have to know yourself. And if you don't, you get up there and you kind of feel out of control. Like you have no idea what you're saying or who you are or why you're saying it. And, and what's so fascinating to me is that public speaking becomes a tool for self-discovery because the more speeches you give, the more you start to learn about who you are and the more you're shining a light on that little personality in there that you might've been hiding for like a long time for some reason. And you're finally letting it come out and blossom and be seen. And you're, and you're, you might be meeting it for the first time. So when this member gave that feedback in the meeting, I thought, wow, how amazing that she tuned into that. And she listened to that message. She listened to the fact that yeah, she's disconnected from her body when she's giving a speech and she figured out why. And now she can do something with that feedback. 
So it's really important that you pay attention to what your audience is saying. It's equally, if not more important to pay attention to what your body is is saying to you because there's so much information in there and we often just tune it out. And public speaking can be a way for you to learn more about who you are and the messages you send yourself and the way you show up in the world. The last thing I want to say about feedback is knowing where to get feedback. (laughs) This is a tricky subject. I remember when I started my business in 2009, going and and telling friends and family and saying, hey, I'm starting this new business and here's what I'm doing. I'm going to be a career consultant. I'm going to help people find a job they love and it's going to be great. And getting the feedback from so many people who are saying things like, what are you doing? Why do you think you can do that? And well, you think that's going to work and people are going to pay you for that? How are you going to make money? Do you think that's really going to be like a successful business? Like... (laughs) Getting this crazy feedback from so many people who, rather than say, hey, good luck, that's great, they chose to question it, and they chose to question me, and they chose to put their own insecurities on my dream. And when you ask for feedback from people who aren't in a space to understand it and support it and respect it... That's the kind of feedback you get. So you have to be in charge of the kind of feedback you get by talking to the right people. I've learned the skill over the years. There are certain people I will go to for advice and feedback and certain people I will not go to because I don't want to hear their negativity and I don't want to hear their projections of their own fears. I want to work with someone and talk with someone who understands and is going to offer ideas and support. And a couple of weeks ago, I was really struggling with um, just kind of feeling unsupported in one part of my life regarding a decision I made with my business. And I thought, oh, man, I feel I feel so disappointed about this. And it was really taking a lot of my energy. It was making me feel really sad. I felt really tired. And I thought, I don't want to carry this around anymore. I need to talk to someone about this who understands what this feels like. And so I called a friend and I told her about it. And she immediately said, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I think you, you have every right in the world to feel that way. Let's see if we can come up with some ideas to kind of get you out of that. And I was like, oh, thank God I called you. <laughs> I feel so much better already. And she was great. And she could totally relate to what I was feeling. She shared some of her own stories. And we came up with a couple different strategies to feel better. So when you're looking for feedback, you can't just like throw it out there to anyone. You have to think about that person's experience and that person's perspective and whether or not it matches with the goal you're trying to accomplish. So I know the original question was about getting negative feedback on a speech, but I wanted to give a lot of different aspects of this topic of feedback because we're constantly surrounded by people and their opinions and our own mind, which is giving us feedback at all times. So we can pay attention to the stuff we need and that is useful and get rid of the rest. So just to recap my answer on feedback, listen to your own feedback. the the feedback your body's giving you. Create a filter for feedback from your audience. Don't let people's body language and 
facial expressions get in the way of delivering an amazing speech if you feel like the person in your audience isn't really giving you that positive feedback and support. And know where to go to get feedback instead of just asking anybody. Question number two, I'm speaking at my first industry conference next month. What do I wear? Great question. Clothing is such a touchy subject for me because I've always felt like clothing is such a form of self-expression. I don't ever want to tell somebody what they can or can't wear. That being said, (laughs) sometimes there is a protocol especially on stage. So I'm going to give some loose guidelines that you can work with and, you know, apply your own style to. And I'll tell you why there are guidelines, because there's actually a very practical reason for the, the, for what people wear and don't wear on stage. So let's start with clothing. Wearing clothing that has a basic color, like a, a, a darker neutral tone, maybe a gray or a blue or a black or brown. Those are great because it's easy for people to look at you for a long period of time. Could you imagine watching someone give a speech for an hour in a fluorescent yellow top? (laughs) It's just hard to look at for a long time. It's bright. It hurts your eyes. So make it easy on your audience by wearing colors that are easy to look at for 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever period of time you're, you're up there. You can wear brighter neutral colors like a light blue or pink or light purple, but you, having solid colors and keeping the print really simple makes it easier for people to keep their eyes on you without getting distracted. Business suits versus dresses versus button-down shirts and skirts. I don't have any preference, and I've never heard of anyone really saying one is better than the other. What it comes down to is what you feel comfortable wearing. I would die in a business suit, (laughs) so I never wear one. I've tried to many times, and I look in my mirror before I leave, and I go, this looks ridiculous. I can't wear this. I just can't make myself do this. I don't even know who that person is in the mirror. So I don't wear that on stage because when you're uncomfortable on stage, it comes across and you don't want to be wearing something that distracts you from the connection with your audience. So if you feel comfortable wearing a dress, you should wear that dress all day, every day. If you love wearing skirts and tank tops, not like, you know, beach tank tops, but like sleeveless shirts, wear that. Wear the stuff you feel good in and that complements your body. And please, number one rule, don't wear something brand new for the first time on stage. You don't want to be testing out the way something sits on your body while you're standing in front of 50 or 100 people. You want to make sure that that outfit really works for your shape. It doesn't bunch up. It doesn't like, you know, hug too hard in some places that it doesn't like cut off circulation to your arms. All of these things make a difference because if you're paying attention to your wedgie (laughs) or, you know, some piece of fabric cutting into your armpit or your underwire sticking into your skin, you're not giving that energy to your audience. 
and you want to make sure you're dialed in 100%. So always do a test run if you have a new outfit or wear something that's tried and true that you know you look good in and you feel good in and that you won't have to worry about while you're up on stage. Because the name of the game is like, look great, but don't be worrying. And as far as shoes go, I know like a lot of people have that fear of walking up on stage and falling. If you have that fear, don't wear four-inch heels, <laughs> you know, like unless you wear four-inch heels every day, I wouldn't say start wearing four-inch heels at your first industry conference. Wear shoes that you're comfortable wearing. I rarely wear heels. I have a pair of boots that are heels that I, I've had for like four years that I love, and they're really easy to wear. I, I feel really confident in them, so I'll often wear them on stage, but the shoes I wear the most often on stage are not heels. They're... They have a wooden heel, like a very like half-inch heel, and they're really fun. They're really shiny. They're black, and they lace up, and they're cute, and I love them, and they make me feel like I can kick ass at anything I do in life. <laughs> so they make me feel really good, and I wear them because they give me confidence, and they make me feel powerful. So it's kind of a, a nice little like sidekick to have on stage, these shoes. When I wear them, I feel like a superhero. So wearing things that make you feel good about yourself will only add to your speech. It will never take away. So I want to make sure that you're thinking that way. Like, what's going to look good and what's going to make me feel good? Because you don't want to try to be somebody else on stage. Oh, well, that woman always wears that. So that's what I'm going to wear. No, no. Wear what makes you feel good because that's what the world wants to see. Now, as far as accessories go... Avoid giant things around your head. <laughs> That's like the, the golden piece of advice here. You don't want to wear big dangly earrings. You don't want to wear a big knit scarf. You don't want to have a big headband or, you know, a giant necklace. You want to keep things really simple around your head and shoulders. And the reason for that is because you want to make it easy for people to see and hear you. And if you have stuff around your eyes and your mouth... You, people can't help but look at them, especially if they're sparkly. You know, people see shiny things and they get distracted. So keep it simple and keep it really light and, and easy for people to just watch you as you talk. And it will be easier for them to focus on your message and not get distracted by your earrings. It's fine to wear small earrings, a small, like a, a simple necklace, but don't go overboard. Don't go crazy. Same thing with makeup. Unless you're going to be on stage with a spotlight, keep the makeup light. You don't need to like put on the theater makeup, you know, because the more makeup you're wearing, the more people might get distracted. Like, wow, there's so much color and eyelashes and <laughs> the lipstick and da da da. So just wear simple makeup like you would normally wear and, and normal, you know, keep your hair really simple. And that way everyone can kind of tune into you and who you are, and they're not distracted by the bells and the whistles and the lights and the sparkles and the glitter and the, you know, whatever fireworks you have coming out of your hair. Because at the end of the day, what the speaker has and what's valuable to the audience is your message. And you don't want that to get lost in all of the color. <laughs> so 
For this person who asked, what do I wear at my first industry conference? Wear something that makes you feel confident, makes you feel good, and you know looks good on you. Wear shoes that you would normally wear and don't go crazy with the heel because you don't want to be worried about falling. Keep the accessories and makeup light and just stay focused on your audience and have a good time. Question number three. I don't like speaking and I'm not very good at it. I always have ideas in our staff meetings, but never speak up. What should I do if I want to share, but don't want to raise my hand? Great question. I read this question. I was like, oh my God, that's me 10 years ago. (laughs) It's so funny. The first thing I thought of actually was high school. And this is a memory I haven't had in a really long time. Right before I graduated from high school, I thought, maybe I should move away somewhere. And as soon as I start meeting people, I'll pretend like I'm a really outgoing person so that everybody just believes that I'm not shy and they won't know the difference because they've never met me before. So I'll just show up somewhere else as a different person. And then it'll be like, she was always like that. (laughs) And no one will ever know I've been shy my whole life. And I really believed like that was the only way to do it. I could never become somebody else in front of my friends and family and, you know, other students in my school and coworkers because they already knew me as a certain way. And what if I changed that? What would happen? They would probably think I was crazy. So it was like in my mind, I could never become somebody else. I had to just go somewhere else and then I could become whoever I wanted to. And I haven't really thought about that logic much since, since whatever that was, you know, almost 20 years ago. But when I think about it now, I'm like, wow, that's so sad that I, I felt like I could never just speak up and, and let people hear me because I was afraid I would change their perception of me. I was afraid that they would say, oh, what is she doing speaking? She never speaks. Who does she think she is? <laughs> And I realized, like, I, I thought that if I did say something, everyone would wonder why, because that was not my role. And so if you feel that way, like you've been, you've painted yourself into the shy box and you have to stay in the shy box forever, then that's where you will stay. But if you really want to speak up and you really want to be heard, it's your job to take that first big step And this is the biggest and most important step you can take. And it's unfortunate that it's first, you know, because it's like you have to do the biggest, hardest work first. And then once you take that first step, every step after it is easier and easier and easier. But that moment of speaking up for the first time in a staff meeting is terrifying. And I just want to acknowledge that right now because I get it and I understand what it feels like to raise your hand for the first time and have everyone turn around and look at you and turn bright red and worry that you're going to say the wrong thing or maybe even worse, forget what you were going to say and just stare at everybody. But what I want you to do is reframe that moment, sort of declaw it in a sense from this has to be right. This has to be the best. It has to be brilliant or else to what would it be like to share this and not concern myself with the outcome or what people think of me? Does that feel a little better? I wish I had thought of this back then because I was like a panicked mess. I was like, ah, what if this comes out wrong? What if this idea sucks? What if they hate me? 
And if someone had just said, well, what would it be like if you shared it and you didn't concern yourself with, with, with what people thought of you? I'm not sure what I would have done with that information at that time, but I think it would have helped. So I want to pass that along. <laughs> like, what if you did just speak up? What would happen? What's the absolute worst thing that would happen? Maybe you'd forget what you were going to say. And you could just say, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I'll email you later or something. And then the next time you're going to speak up, maybe you will remember what you were going to say. But I promise you, it does get easier. The thing that has to change is the story you tell yourself about who you are and what you're capable of doing. And I have a great example of this that actually happened this morning. What's today? April 11th, 2017. I've been doing yoga since 2003. That was 14 years ago. And I've taken maybe thousands of yoga classes at this point. Today was the first day I've ever done a headstand in my yoga class. And the reason for that is because for years I made up a story about why I couldn't do headstands. The story, <laughs> the story is my, my feet will be too far from the floor when I'm in a headstand and I'm too tall. They won't stay up there. <laughs> what? Like, how tall do I think I am? Like 70 feet tall. And this morning, I, I, our teacher asked us to go up to the wall with our mats and, and prepare ourselves, like putting our head in our hands. And so I'm like, all right, I'll do this part. I always do this part. I at least put my head on the floor and then I'll pretend like I'm going to go up and do a headstand. I'm not going to actually do a headstand. So I put my head on the floor and I got up into the pose where like my butt was up in the air, but my feet were down like a downward dog kind of. And it was like my whole body wanted to go into a headstand. I was like fighting my body. Like I could, it was almost like my legs were floating up in the air. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm not ready to do this. My legs, my legs are going to be too, too far from the earth. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I guess I'll just like kick one leg up. And I kicked one leg up and all of a sudden the other leg went up and I was doing a headstand. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, wait, I'm doing a headstand right now. Oh, am I doing, I'm doing a headstand right now now. And it was so easy. <laughs> and I couldn't believe I just sat I just like stayed in that pose for maybe four or five minutes. And it felt so comfortable. There was nothing hurting. It wasn't like a lot of work. I was just up there. And I got down and I, th I thought, I can't believe it took me 14 years to do a headstand. In my mind, I was going to snap my neck paralyzed for life. Like, break a leg, all kinds of stuff. And it was just so far from that. Like I could have done a headstand probably 10 years ago at least, but I had created a whole story about why I couldn't. So I tell the story because it's possible you're telling yourself a story about what you can and can't say in a meeting or in your life. And I would be, I would be shocked if you decided, hey, I'm going to say this and you said it and other people were surprised. I bet you've created a story about what you can and can't do. And I want to challenge you to try and speak up by just picking something to say that you've been wanting to say to anybody, whether it's a friend, your boss, a colleague, a spouse, a child, something you've been wanting to say. And the challenge is something that could make your life better and something that has been bothering you. Try one of each, something that has been bothering you and something that could make your life better and see what happens. You'd be shocked and surprised 
by how much you can learn about yourself and others when you give yourself that chance to speak up. And I asked some of the members of the Speaker Sisterhood to talk to me about what it felt like to give a speech for the first time, because a lot of them are shy and they're, they feel uncomfortable standing in front of a group of people. And one of them said, you know what, initially it does feel scary. Initially, it feels like the biggest thing you could ever do in your life and you want to run away screaming. But what changes once you give the first speech is you feel good. You feel lighter. You feel less stress and tension. You feel relieved. It feels like, oh, I can do this. Oh, oh my God, that was easy. Oh my God, people liked it. <laughs> and things start to change. But the longer you lock yourself up and hold on to that belief about what you can and can't say, the harder it becomes. So I really want to challenge you to focus on that first moment of that big step and say, you know what? It's not about being right. It's not about being the best. It's not even about any outcome. It's just about trying it out and seeing what happens. And I promise you, you will learn something. All right. Fourth and final question I'm just an hourly employee and I don't have a position that requires I speak up or learn how to. I want to be a manager one day, but I don't know how to find opportunities to build my leadership and communication skills. Do you have any advice to get started with this? You know what I do? <laughs> I do. I have a lot of ideas about this, actually. And it's, this is a great question because it combines my background in career coaching with public speaking. So I feel kind of excited and uniquely qualified <laughs> to answer this question. <laughs> One thing you can do is join or lead a committee at work. There's a possibility that your company has a sustainability committee, a party planning committee, or something like that where employees can join and voluntarily contribute you know, be part of the creation of new initiatives, just get the word out about things, and just generally be more involved. So one thing you can do is go to your human resources department or your manager and say, I'd like more responsibility. I'd like an opportunity to build my skill set. What could I be doing? Are there any committees I could join? This is a great way to build those skills because there's a possibility that your committee then goes and reports back to the whole staff. And maybe you could be the person who gets up and does that reporting. And it's so low risk. You know, it's like a great opportunity because it's not like the whole business is riding on the party planning committee. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, we're going to have a birthday party for all the people who were born in May this month. So make sure you join us in the break room on the 19th. Right. So it's a good opportunity to start practicing the skill without having that high level of Oh my God, what if this doesn't go well? It doesn't really matter. It's just cake, you know. <laughs> it's a chance to practice. Another thing you can do is shadow your boss. Ask your boss if you can follow him or her around for the day and watch what they do and how they do it. How are they talking to their staff? How are they taking phone calls? How are they managing their time? How are they working with vendors or clients or you know, suppliers and see if you can get some, some information and just insight into what they do so you can learn more about what your job might look like. You could also take a leadership course at a local community college or continuing education program. There are often 
many of those and just entry level kind of like 100 level courses that will give you the introductory information about communication and leadership. Another thing you can do is join a professional association or a networking group and see if you can join the board or a committee there. Often these organizations are dying for people to join the board or committees because they want people who are excited about getting involved. The more people they have, the more successful they can be. And if you're really enthusiastic and you want to give back and you really want to grow, they want to have you. So think about organizations that are in your industry or like if you're entry, if you're an entry level employee, maybe a young professionals group. Think about all the professional associations, whether they're local, regional or national that you could potentially join or attend a conference and be on the planning committee. Go to your alumni association if you went to college and just try and get involved. There are so many ways you can get involved. And when you get involved, you can work on those skills that you might not be able to get at work. You could also volunteer at a nonprofit or local community group. You could become a big sister or big brother with big brothers, big sisters. Great way to be part of a good organization that plans events and also helps you to build your leadership skills by leading a young person. And lastly, you could take a public speaking class. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but (laughs) I run a network of public speaking clubs for women where you can go and practice public speaking. And we are building clubs as we speak. So if you have an interest in starting your own club or joining one, you should go to speakersisterhood.com and check out our site. You can learn more about what it means to become a member and or sign up to potentially become a club leader. And you and I can talk about what that might look like. To be a club leader, you don't have to have public speaking experience, but you need to have some experience facilitating meetings and kind of having a little bit of leadership's um, experience. What's mostly important, though, is the ability to be organized, to go out and network and be a great leader for your members. So hopefully that answers your question about how to build those communication leadership skills. They're so critical when you're trying to build your career and lead others. Guys, that does it for our Q&A episode, episode number 43. Can you believe it? I hope that was helpful. I want to encourage you to send your questions to me anytime. I'll do more Q&A episodes as those questions start to pile up. So you can email them to me at Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And if you have comments, other questions just in general that you want to ask, please feel free to email me. I'm like loving talking to you guys. It's just great to um, hear from where you're from and what you're getting out of the podcast because who knows where you are? You know, it could be anywhere. (laughs) As my friend always says, I listen to you all the time in the shower. (laughs) Hey, great. Hey, I love it. So shout out to Jill. All right. So I want to say thanks again for listening today to the Claim the Stage podcast. Looking forward to next time. And as always... Stop waiting, start creating. See you next time.